Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go Flying over cities down to Rio, it's real Love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever But I'm down for the minute, so just chill Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go Flying over cities down to Rio, it's real Love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever But I'm down for the minute, so just chill Good morning and welcome into the show here on SENZ. It is uh, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and uh, Kempi not too far away from having Izzy back. It is some stage this week, isn't it? For the, for the Izzy and Kempi breakfast, yeah, that's right. He's meant to be uh, heading back. I think he gets back uh, Wednesday morning uh, is... Probably, probably Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, sometime around there. So expecting him back sometime this weekend, Ricardo. But mate, loving having you on Monday mornings is a good weekend. We um, obviously caught up down at the Warriors yesterday, mm-hmm. running running it straight, doing the pre pre match uh, from two o'clock. And uh, yeah, you're back in you're back in the hot seat this morning, mate. Running the show again this morning. So um, and I'm just about dried out. <laughs> just about. I know how wet was it yesterday? Eh? It was. Um, a pretty bad weekend for, I guess, uh, rugby league weather-wise. You know, you saw that game against Penrith and the Tigers the night before, and we got pretty much the same down there at Mount Smart yesterday when the Warriors went up against the Roosters. Uh, I thought it was a really tough match. You know, I thought it was a really uh, battle in the middle of the park, which we said before the game, and the Roosters came to town to, to actually play and, and win this football game. And, and uh I reckon there'll be a few blokes who are pretty sore this morning waking up. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a story of missed opportunities yesterday for the Warriors, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We went over enough times, especially Jackson Ford, who's you know up with uh, Dylan Walker as players player of the year so far. He's been a an absolute find out there on the left edge. He went over the line twice, couldn't get it down. Um, and another time, they, he caught the ball. The ball, if it got a pass to him in front, he would have just slid over the line. But he had to reach back for it, lost his footing. And as he slid, he got held up like a, a, a centimetre from the line. And they just couldn't get that that much-needed first points of the game, which I think they might have kicked on from there. Mm. But you've got you to give Sydney City the, the accolade for just the way they defended. Like... Their kick chase, their, their yardage sets, and then their kick chase on the back of it and the way they defended in their first three tackles basically nullified the Warriors. And, and the biggest uh, loss yesterday, I don't think, was during the game. It was during the week when they lost Tohu Harris. So they lost that pass in the middle of the park with, with Jazz Tavaga that comes on and, and takes up that middle middle player um, go forward. But also uh, yesterday, just... Uh, Chance Nickel Clockstead and the amount of work that he does, and especially on that fifth tackle play, which frees up Sean Johnson. So they did it. They did a number yesterday really well, which Trent Robinson asked them to do, which was bury your nose and, and just wait for your opportunities. They took him, but the, the the one that people missed was the kick pressure that went on to Sean Johnson. Like it came all game. It was relentless, and I've got to say, Sean Johnson. He had to work his magic to find the space to get those kicks through, and it was his kicking game that kept them in there for so long. 
The one thing I, I, I after we did the show, I went and watched uh, the game up in the stands uh, with a few of the crew from ECNZ and, uh, and and a few others. And the one thing that kept coming up was why are we not kicking aerially? Why are we kicking along the ground? Um, because we saw the game beforehand, the New South Wales Cup game. A lot of tries came from kicking high to the corners, uh, but we seem to be grubbering more, or not even grubbering, just but just kicking along the ground until about fifteen minutes from time when they started going to the air. Well, that's you know, again, you got to take your head off to Trent Robinson because he knew that if Sean Johnson had had time on his hands, then he could pick and pinpoint where he wanted to get those kicks. But if you go back and rewatch the game, you'll see that from the inside out. They chased Sean Johnson and made him move, and a lot of those kicks that he thread through the line. I think he got about three repeat sets in the first half, which was really, really good. They were against that 30-knot wind in the first half. In the second half, he put that one up to Jackson Borlo down there on the left edge. He drops the first one, yeah. and we don't go to the air again. But it's because they just got to him, and later on in the game, he, he just they, they couldn't get out of their own half. They put in the corners, and they couldn't get out of their own half. So attacking kicks weren't coming, but it was just the clinic as far as kick chase um, and kick, kick pressure was on Sean Johnson because his, his kicking game has been really good over the last month. It has been, yeah, it has been. It was just something that came up in the in the stands, and you're right to, to point that out. You know, the kick pressure. I mean, because you've got to be able to set yourself to kick high, right? Whereas you can kick, like, you can you can grubber on the run. Well, the thing with it, and this is where Chancellor Crockstead was missed, was that fifth tackle option. He normally gets tackled and plays the ball quick. You know what I mean? So he he brings it upon himself to make sure that Sean gets a good kick in. So because he's staying at fullback, he takes that last tackle, he can get up and play the ball quick, and then as that kick chase comes behind Sean's kick, then he just filters back the fullback. He doesn't have to worry about kick chase, you see. Uh, and they really missed that yesterday. They play the ball, like I said to Sam in the game, they, they're running over his lines too much, they're getting bum-rushed towards the sideline. The problem with that tackle is that it's a, slow, it's a slow play the ball. So if you don't want to bury your nose on the inside, like get off your outside foot and get back in behind the ruck in the rain, then when you get tackled and run on an overs line, which is your inside foot, and get pushed towards the sideline, it's they get three players in the end. It's a slow play the ball, and unfortunately for Sean, that was what was happening majority of the time on the fifth tackle, which allowed also for their kick chase to get out and put pressure on him. The amount of times that he had to slip the d- the defender to get the kick in, the only option he had was to, to drill it on the ground through the line. And look, I I, I took my hat off to him at half time and said the amount of times he could get the kick away was 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 pretty good. But they just were relentless. They did that the whole game, which is what Trent Robinson asked. Uh, Satili Tapuuna, mate. mate. <laughs> I mean, he scored. A, he scored a fantastic try. But everybody in the stands there was saying, "Why is he still on the field?" Yep, uh, Tupanuia Satili. He should have. He should have. I think, in my opinion, this is where the consistency in the NRL is lacking. Um, there's a lot of grey area around the hip drop, especially. We're seeing blokes go to the Sinbin for 10 minutes. Even even if it doesn't look like a hip drop, they've been pretty consistent in around that. But what's happened is they've forgotten about everything else. And in a shoulder charge, they eradicated the shoulder charge, which I thought was a, a big part of the game of rugby league. You know, you look at the, the, the hits back in the old days, the Sonny, Bully, uh, Son, Sonny Bill Williams hits. It's no longer part of the game. Yet, they try to eradicate it, and now they've forgotten that it's part of the part of the game and still needs to be eradicated. Now, Satili, when you slow down that play, look like he's shoulder charged. Mm. Um, they actually stopped the they stopped the play, so they had a chance to talk. You saw uh, the the referee put his hand up to his ear, so he was actually talking up to the bunker. They were looking at it on the slow motion. The crowd was going absolutely nuts, as you as you knew because you were there. 
and then they come off and say there's nothing to answer. The very next set on that last tackle play when Brandon Smith gets up because he's just come back onto the football field, <laughs> he's in the scrum. Five plays later, he jumps out of out of marker. He, he drifts across the front of the goalpost, puts that that kick through the line on a dime, and who should be there to pick it up and score? But Sotili Tuapanuia, who everyone reckons should have been at least in the Sinbin, and that's where the game gets away on the Warriors. So it's, I'm not saying that 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 part is where the Warriors lost the game. But I am saying that that's the part where the, the Sydney City Roosters put it to bed and it could have been different if the referee got that call right. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I, I, something that we haven't mentioned yet, and I don't think got mentioned a lot yesterday, but was, you know, we lost those players you, we talked about. We lost the Tohu Harris's, we lost the Jazz Tavangas. Uh, obviously, Tamani Martin, Chance Nickel Clockstatter out. That hasn't maybe affected the starting 13 so much. Like, the starting 13 still looks good, but it's the players that you can bring on to impact the game off the bench all of a sudden looks a lot shallower, right? Oh, 100%. And we said that, me and you, in the pre-match, you know, when you look at their bench, you've got uh, Satili Tupunuya, you've got Angus Crichton, you know, you've got decent players, Drew, Drew um, Mitchell coming on, you know, it's you've got really good, solid first graders, and I, I the, the latter two, Crichton and Tupunuya, they're going to be the edge players in another couple of weeks, don't get me wrong, and Tupunuya was by, by far one of the better players on the pitch. Um, and it is a massive... Uh, advantage when you've got bench players that come on and lift the tempo of your game and keep the keep the tempo high and can make a difference. And this is what the Warriors were doing early on the year, you see, because you've got Dylan Walker, you've got Jazz Tavaga coming off. They're making a real good impact when they come on, especially Dills Walker. But now we're, with all the injuries and we've got Dills playing at six, Jazz out, Tohu out, and we're, we're scratching for our first 13, then the, the, the four... Um, reserves. You got uh, Sifakula that was making his debut yesterday. He only lasted, I think. I think the first stint was around seven, eight minutes, which isn't long enough, mm. and it affects your bench and your and your rotation. Um, and it's it's where the Warriors are at the moment. They've just got a real heavy toll of injuries at the moment. You know, you still didn't mention Mitch Barnett. He's out as well. You know, and, and a lot of these players are players that Andrews brought into the side to to give them some solidity. But when you put them back in the Starting side, then your bench becomes stronger. You know, Dills Walker moves back to the bench when Tamari comes back in a six. Luke Metcalf covers if he's back there. You've got Mitch Barnett, he comes back in. And then you've got one of the back rowers going back in or one of the front rowers going back into the into the bench, you know. So um, we've always picked this month as being their toughest month. You know, we, we, we were saying that if they can get one of these three uh, games as a win, they've lost the first two. They've got two to uh, two to go, four four games. Sorry, with Brisbane and Penrith to come. If they don't get one of those, they're going to drop out of the eight, mm. and it's going to be because it's such a tight competition. It's going to be pretty hard to get back into the four, not the eight. Um, so I'm hoping going up to Brisbane to play Penrith and then down to Napier to to play Brisbane that we can steal one of those. Which one do I reckon? Well, Penrith coming off the back of a loss against the Tigers on Saturday night, which was, mate, I tell you what, any every multi in the world got done on Saturday night when Penrith lost that game. Um, it's going to be pretty tough picking that one up in Brisbane because of the injuries in that. I think we'll, we'll compete, no worries at all. But the target is definitely a Napier against Brisbane. We need to get that one going in the bye. That turnaround with four points is critical uh, if they want to remain in the eight. I'll tell you something that actually uh, stood out the last couple of weekends. Have you noticed that Stephen Crichton's doing all the goal kicking for Penrith, not Nathan Cleary? 
So I reckon Nathan Cleary's carrying a groin or a hammy or something, eh? He's not he's, he's, 100%. he's not 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But, um, you know, you have a look at the the kickers in the NRL. My day, mate, like even I was kicking goals, you know, and I would never practice kicking goals. I was sort of could kick goals. Um, and we gave up so many points. You know, teams back in, back in the, the 90s and the – uh, the early 2000s gave so many points because we weren't really known rugby league for kickers. But mate, you have a look yesterday. Like you, you know, you get um, Suali'i come up and kick goals. Like mm. when he was hitting him, I'm going, man, he's a natural goal kicker. Just whacking it through with all that wind that was going on. And of course, Crichton, he's known to, for his goal kicking. You've got so many more uh, good goal kickers through the competition now, and especially teams that are taking their points early on. The two points on offer. Is, is, a, is a real opportunity for teams if they're, they're kicking well. Um, I, I know for, for, for some players they're struggling. You know, you've got a St. George, they struggle with a kicker at the moment. You know, Lomax, Zach Lomax on that left, he's got some pretty poor percentages from one side rather than the other. Um, but you're right with, with Nathan Cleary, um, if he's not kicking goals and not running the ship, you know, because he is, he's a skipper basically yeah. running it, there's something up with him. And I, and I just think that that's... The competition at the moment, Ricardo. I think the long season last year, it's going to continue to play out this year with players playing in and out of form because of that World Cup. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll get to your texts as well. as a few that have come through, Kempi, but we should also talk. There was a, a reasonably significant game of uh, Super Rugby on Saturday night as well, mate. Well, there was, and it was a good start to the weekend. And uh, Uncle Brett came through yesterday saying... Uh, you know, a couple of cheeky remarks on the text machine at the league. Uh, but the money getting up over the Crusaders, look, I think now that they've got this one under their belt, I think they're actually going to go to another another level. Uh, they they definitely know that they're the premier team in the country at the moment. Um, what was really good about that game for me was that the, the stands were packed, you know, and... You know, when you're looking at rugby and the way that they've struggled, I know that down in Wellington, the Hurricanes, the game before, they just they couldn't really get too many people down there. But you've got top of the table clash between the Crusaders and the Chiefs in Hamilton, and they've packed it out and put put on such a spectacle, like a nice tight game that the Chiefs won. I think it's probably the best thing for Super Rugby at the moment. So um, I'm pretty pretty happy that the Mano won my yeah. second team, yeah. um, but. You know, the, the the big news coming out of the Chiefs is that Damien McKenzie, and and I think Damien McKenzie's running the clinic this year. You know, he's just signed again for the New Zealand Rugby Union for two years, um, which keeps him in super rugby. And I think on the back of that is an endorsement from Razor to say, look, I still see you as probably a premier player in the All Black team. And that signature um, all but confirms that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think we'll see uh, McKenzie. I mean, we know that they're losing Mawanga. Chances are they're going to lose Barrett, so they need to lock down as number one first five outside of those guys, and that that is uh, what they have done. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that with uh, actually a man pretty close to uh, pretty close to that game. Karma Ian Jones is going to join us later in the show. Actually, coming up on the show, uh, we do have. Uh, Quizzy Kempi coming up uh, this hour, so your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet. Uh, Jacob Spoonley's going to join us after seven to talk football. The Phoenix are into the finals after a clean sheet and a 1-0 win on the weekend. They take on Adelaide this weekend. We've got a choice of flooring poll for you as well. Uh, we're going to catch up with Ian Jones after eight o'clock. Talk some super rugby with him and the fact that Damian McKenzie is locked in as well. 
so we've got a whole heap of stuff coming your way uh, throughout the show, Kempi, and you will also catch up with Paul Mawadi uh, from the TAB. We'll catch up with Araha with a Formula One update as well. All that and more to come uh, right here on SENZ. This is Breakfast with Ricardo and Kempi. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. It's uh, 6.24 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Uh, you can call us anytime on the Kennards Hire phone line. Kennards are hiring big. Visit kennardshire.co.nz. That number 0800 150 Or you can give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Can't wait question of the day. Yeah, it's time for the Conway question of the day. Is there more a more stacked team in international sport, Kempi, than the US men's basketball team? Here's, I'll throw some <laughs> names at you. Uh, if you missed this, the Tall Blacks have drawn the US in their Basketball World Cup later in the year. Uh, and that's going to be game one for the Tall Blacks, is going to be the US. Uh, this US team could have Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Ja Morant, Bam, uh, Adebayo. Uh, just amongst, uh, there's a few names there. There's uh, there's probably more that we, we, we've missed as well. But, mate, can anybody name a more stacked team in international sport? I, I, I don't think they could name a more uh, stacked team full of depth, you know what I mean, across the board. Like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, where you look across the USA team, they, it's always a dream team, isn't they? I think they've won something like 16 Olympics since it's been in in place, um, obviously gone through a couple of uh, transitions where they've lost a couple couple along the way, but got the got the train back on the tracks. And any team with LeBron James in it leading the way, because um, he actually led them out of that dream team nightmare, didn't he? Uh, when they struggled through that that period, and Anthony Davis um, alongside him, the likes of Dramond um, Green and 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 Co. You know, you get the 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 teams with the odd. Player in it, and mm. the Argentinians and the Greece. Um, well, I mean, so we, don't, say, we, we don't, we don't have uh, big Mr. Adams in the in the Tall Blacks, you know. Um, but there is a scattering of players on the other sides. But I can't ever. Every time they name a USA basketball team, I, you look at it and go, "Well, why do you show up?" Well, that's the other thing. The other you, two, you do, don't you? you? Just show up to try and beat them. Yeah, well, exactly. But I mean, the other two teams the Tall Blacks have drawn are Greece with Giannis yeah. and and Jordan, who we know pretty well, and we and we can probably beat. But uh, yeah, that is a tough group. But uh, you let us know uh, the most stacked team in international sport. Is there one more stacked than the US men's basketball team? The only thing I can think, the only team I can think of, Kempi, that might go close would be the Kangaroos. Oh, that's a really good call. Yeah, I, I think in I don't think so much these days. I yeah. think I think in the past, you know, with the the Wally Lewis days, um, the Cam Smith days with Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk. I think they still had the wood over both the English uh, and the Kiwis back in that era. But I think today it's modern day football. I think if you name a Kiwi and a Kangaroo team, you couldn't split them. You know, you're splitting hairs with that. The the only other one I could think about is like a maybe at the moment a, a Paris Saint Germain. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. With the soccer, you know, you got the two world's best players in there. Um, yeah, they're not they're knocked out of the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So. I know, and that and you know, you, it's like every time you've got a stacked team. I I remember this, you know, you you you're winning um, competitions. You get teams that come and they they're at the bottom end of the table, and they come to play. 
<laughs> I was telling that story about well, going... Well, PSG lost this morning in, in, in the French League, actually, so yeah, there you go. I was telling that story, what I, about going up to Workington and the and the bad weather. We'll talk about weather with Aroha later on today, how bad's that last night. Just couldn't get um, much sleep with the amount of wind that was blowing um, through the place. But I was telling that story about Workington, you know, we got the, we're talking about bonuses and... and uh, one of the one of the directors comes and offers us twenty five quid, boys, if you can go out there and win the scheme, you know. And it's um, and we were stacked, you know. Myself, Posty, um, Kevin Edel, you know, Georgie Mann, uh, Gary Schofield, uh, Ellery Hanley, you know, we were stacked up against this working town team, and we were losing at half time, mate. <laughs> and and that's what happens, you know, when you're up against it, teams that just pull out all stops. Um, and I, I, what I'm trying to say is I, I don't see a more stacked team than the USA basketball side. Any team that comes up against them, they're just dreaming of beating them. Yeah. Well, keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three, the Temper Beard Post text machine if you've got a take on that. Do have some texts here, Kempe. One from your mate Brian in Christchurch. Yeah, he's obviously woken up and taken some happy pills this morning. Brian, he says, Kempe, you better screenshot the NRL table because the Warriors will not be in the top eight next week. The honeymoon is over, and that's from our good mate down there in Christchurch. You, you probably know that, Brian, because I think the honeymoon for the Crusaders is over as well, um, with the money getting up uh, against the, the Crusaders on Saturday night. Uh, it's such a tight table at the top. I think uh, between teams 1 and 13, there's four points. Mm. Uh, the the Warriors, they hang, hang in the eight last night on points difference against the Dolphins. The Dolphins obviously losing an extra time, uh, not extra time, losing by a field goal. Don't know how they fought back from that one again. Uh, they're showing glimpses of the Cowboys from last year and the way that they're playing at the moment. But like, if you lose a couple of games, and, and one thing that Brian um, is alluding to is that you lose a couple of games and you can actually go from being in the top four to sitting in the, in the between eight and 12 because uh, of the tightness of the competition. The last time the competition was like this was when the the last time the Warriors made it in 2018 that it went right down to the last game. We still had three or four teams fighting out in that last game to, to, to fight to get into the eight, um, Ricardo. And I'm pretty sure that this year's competition is going um, to be the same. Uh, other than probably the last couple of weeks, something that I have noticed is that the cream is starting to rise to the top. So South Sydney, the best offensive yeah. side, the way that they... Um, tailed up the Cowboys on the weekend was was sensational. The yeah, the Broncos, the wheel fell off. Um, sorry, the wheels fell off for the Broncos. Um, and then you've got, you know, your, your Penrith, even though they lost, your, your Roosters. The Sharks. The Sharks, Melbourne, they're all starting to, mm. to come good. Um, and you've got these other teams that are really in touch with them at the moment too. So, you know, I, I think with the form and the rosters, they're going to start playing out over the second third of, uh, of the competition. And one thing that we, we know is that if we can get some players back on the pitch, we're very competitive and we'll fight it out for the eight this year. We'll fight it out. We might not fight it out for the four, but we'll definitely uh, be in with a shout for the eight. It is uh, 29 away from 7 o'clock here on Ricardo and Kempe for breakfast on SCNZ. Coming your way shortly. Headlines with Joe. We'll get to more of your texts on double eight double three as well. Time now, though, for news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Here's Araha.
Thanks very much, Aroha. Here are your headlines now with Joe. Thanks to Bunnings Trade Power Pass, you could power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Come on in, Joe Fish. Morning, boys. The Knicks lead the Heat 55-50 to 50 at halftime in the first game of the second round of the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Warriors and the Kings will play their Game 7 decider at 7.30 this morning. The winner will go on to face the Lakers in the second round. I've also got some Premier League updates for you lads. Manchester City, as you heard, beat Fulham to return to the top of the Premier League as Erling Haaland Haaland scored his 50th goal of the season in all competitions, while Liverpool got a last gasp win over Spurs and Brighton thumped 14th place Wolves 6-0. And some big news out of New Zealand rugby with both Damian McKenzie and Ruby Tui signing two-year extensions with NZR Trade and Builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. There you go. There you go. That is uh, That was big news, actually, about Ruby Tui uh, re-signing. To be honest, Ken I don't know what you had heard. I mean, I hadn't heard anything official, but people that knew her or people that had worked with her at Sky, most of them were of the opinion that she was done with footy and she was just going to concentrate on the media. Yeah, look, I, and I was the same. I don't Look, I don't know Ruby um, at all, uh, apart from you know the work that she's done and, of course, the way that she's... Um, what would you call that? Like jumped up, jumped up on a star, I guess oh, through the mate, through yeah. the World Cup because she's flying at the moment. I would have thought, I, I personally would have thought that uh, she saw probably more potential in looking after her future and and building a, uh, I guess, a career in the media and and so forth because she's doing a lot of. Get, uh, I see a lot of guest speaking stints as well at the moment, um, but she obviously still has the the passion to go out there and play. I think I think for for her own self, you know, she. Those are those what if moments that you have when you're signing contracts. You know, I've, I've still got you know a lot left in my my feet and uh, my body. My body feels good. I want to go out there and play some football. So she would have she would have spoken to those people, Ricardo. She would have yeah. spoken to those people about making that decision. They would have helped her make it. And uh, she's obviously com- comfortable doing both roles at the moment. Yeah, she is, and we'll see uh, more of her on the field because the other option was NRLW. I talked to Ricky Henry a few weeks ago mm. when he re-signed with the Ki- as Kiwi Ferns coach, and I said, you know, NRLW is continuing to grow. We've got more teams again this year. We'll have more teams again next year. Um, and we talked about Gail Broughton, you know, not making herself available initially for the World Cup. She wanted more time. He said he reckoned there are four or five Black Ferns being targeted by uh, NRLW clubs. We've seen one more go. And Niall, uh, I wonder how many more we'll see go. Well, I think at the back end of their career, a lot, a lot of that what if moment happens with a, a lot of those girls. And of course, when you're watching the rugby league um, competition play out in the NRL for the women, a lot of those those girls who are playing sevens and playing rugby that in their semi-professional mode go, man, that looks like re- real fun. And I know a lot of those girls because I play against them because it's such a condensed um, competition. If it was me and I was in charge of it, like in charge of league and in charge of rugby, I'd actually, and I've spoken to one of the, the New Zealand rugby girls about this, who just was sitting out here in the cafe, I said what I would do is I'd let them play both because their seasons are so short. And yeah. It's not as if they're, they're racking up you know, um, a ton of games. I would say I would sit down together and say, right, let's play the rugby season and then let's go on and play the league season and get the and cross-pollinate and give the girls that opportunity. And I think it'd be a fantastic opportunity for our girls to do that. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you know the, uh, the the Aussie women's sevens team, rugby sevens team, um, they're pretty average at the moment, right? But they always peak World Cup Euro Olympic year. It's because those players 
go and play NRLW. So they go and play for the Gillaroos. They go play NRLW for a couple of seasons. Uh, and then when the Olympics come around, yeah, yeah, and when the Olympics come around, they jump in. They jump back over to Union. Yeah, and look, it's a it's a old stale way of thinking about things about rugby and league. I, look, that died with me years ago. I still got old old players and ex players still talking about oh the rugby this and league that and I you know for me the commodity is exactly the same. I play rugby and rugby league. If you can give me both. I'll play them both, you know what I mean? And although it's a lot tougher these days to do it at a men's level, I think at the women's level you can still do it. And I would actually sit sit down and go, when do you want to play rugby? Sevens, fifteens? And how do we fit league and around it, or vice versa? Well, I mean, Super Rugby Opeki, you know, for example, I mean, that's only, what, six weeks? Six weeks, that's yeah. exactly right. And yeah. the same with the, the NRLW, they they don't play 27 rounds a, of a year. No, this season I think they've got nine rounds plus finals. There you go, so we've got 15 games. Yep. So, you know, do you think the girls would be over the moon if they had had an opportunity to put a contract together. So they sign one contract with NZR, one contract with NRLW. They they combine those, they're probably getting, I don't know, maybe 100K. Yeah. It's actually a job, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. It's actually 100% a job. A, job. Uh, a few texts that have been coming through. We did ask uh, the Can't question of the day, the most stacked team in international sport. Somebody's come through and said the uh, US Ryder Cup golf team. Oh, cut it out. Cut it out. I don't know if that's... Uh, Look, I used to love the Ryder Cup. You know, watched it plenty of times because I was up in Europe playing, and obviously supporting the Europeans. Um, although I loved Tiger Woods at that time because he was coming through. He's a he's a gun, but I, I don't think you can say the the Ryder Cup team because I think the European team's just the stacked. You reckon? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, maybe both teams are stacked. <laughs> do, do we know? Does anyone know what the score is between the two uh, the two sides? The, I think last time out the US dominated. Pretty sure the US dominated the last Ryder Cup. Uh, but no doubt somebody will let us know on the text machine, temper and bedpost text machine, double eight, double three. Also, this one come through. Kempe, we seem to have no punch, no line breaks, no offloads from Marshy. Yeah, Marshy, look, yesterday, Marshy, if you were up in Auckland, I, um, I know you're down in the bay. Uh, it's It was a terrible day, mate. There was a 30-knot wind blowing from the north to the south down through uh, the stadium, and it's swirly, wet, horrible weather. I think um, really, really missed was Tohu Harris and with that that first receiver pass and that short passing game because it didn't release Sean and and Dylan Walker and, and it was noticeable when they were going into first receiver they were just at occasions here going a, a little bit lateral and uh, being picked off quite easily in the wet uh, from the from the Sydney City Roosters and yeah I, look I hear what you're saying I I just think that um, you know we've lost a. a a, a couple of really key players in, in our sh- our structure at the moment, and that's Tohu Harris and definitely Nickel Clockstead at the back of the at the back of the line. So um, hopefully we can we can sort of remedy that. Um, we're not going to get I don't think the same weather when we play Penrith up in Brisbane this week. It's going to be on a firm track, so they might be working on that uh, this week through that that middle of the park. I, I sort of wondered Ricardo who would actually do that role. Um, the thing that I thought was maybe move Dylan Walker back into. The middle of the the ruck, so give him the thirteen jumper, yep. and let him play middle, and therefore he brings that that middle pass which Tohu Tohu brings, and then give Volkman a crack, just throw him in at six and say, mate, you've got to do the job for us, because there's obviously an issue with Volkman. I think it's defensively why they won't yep. put him in there. Well, it reminds me a little bit of Caelan Ponga playing six. Yeah, mate. Well, he's under a lot of pressure, isn't he? Newcastle getting towed up again. Um, 
and it's like a like a flat tire, and it? it's like a tire. Tire. When when they're not when he's not in there, the nights go really good. Like their form over the last month has been on fire. You know they've they've lost a couple just, then they've won a couple just, and then they get ponga, ponga back in, and they it's like all the air goes out of their tire. Yeah, it's, you know yeah, they just, look over at uh, at Kalen and go, well you're back now, win us a game, and I I can see the frustration. I, I actually when I saw him down on his haunches after the game, clutching his uh, his headgear, I actually saw a player in another jersey. I don't think he'll be at Newcastle much longer. You don't think so? No, I'd, mate. If I was his manager, I'd be I'd be looking I'd be looking for uh, a club that actually wants to put him at fullback and wants to build a, a championship team, not not try and build a, a Kalen Ponga championship team. So you don't think that he wanted to play six? You think that's all on Aidan O'Brien? Hundred percent. Okay. All right. We'll talk more about that and more about the Ryder Cup. We do have some information on that. But we do have Quizzy Kempe to get to. We need to give away a a $50 TAB bonus bet. We'll do that next. So call us now, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We'll play Quizzy Kempe after this. This is how you do it. Quizzy, that can play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, that can play it. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie, phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs, TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it, this is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it, Quizzy, they come play it. Oh, 800. 150 811. Now give us a call. Yes, that's right. It's 12 minutes away from 7 o'clock, and you can get your chance to win a $50 bonus. TAB bet if you dial in. New callers, like we've always said, will go straight to the top of the queue. So uh, get dialing on that. We've got a Mate, everyone's up this morning wanting to crack at the Quizzy Dag, and I've had a look at it. It ain't too bad this morning. We're going to go to Uncle Brett and Huntley, who must be happy this morning. Morena, Brett, how was Saturday night? Was all good. He's still got no voice. Got no voice. <laughs> oh, well. to give out some advice, Uncle. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, I'm going to have to ask you a question. You're going to, you're going to just sort of. If it's a number, just clap that many times, okay? (laughs) Here goes question number one. How many goals did Sydney get in their women's A-League final on the weekend? Two. (laughs) burger. Ginger, ginger and honey and some hot water, mate. That'll clear that up. Go and sort out your voice. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Ka kite, Brett. We'll go to uh, Mark and Tauranga. Morning, Mark. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, um, we'll go to the first question. How many goals did Sydney get in the women's A-League final on the weekend? Four. Bang, good man. Question number two. Which is the only first-round NBA playoff series still running and tied at 3-3 before heading into conference semifinals? And you've got uh, Ricardo here for a clue. Um... Uh... Is it the Heat versus the Knicks? Unlucky, Marky. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll go Simon Dow in Tamaki. Uh, Simon, good morning. 
Morning, boys. How are you? Morning. Good, mate. Uh, which is the fir- only first round NBA playoff series still running, tied 3-3 before heading into conference semifinals? Um, the Kings and the Warriors. There you go. Which driver won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix on the in the F1 over the weekend? We'll talk to Aroha about that later. Um, was it um, Perez? Ooh, here we go. He's on a bit of a roll. Jimmy Butler is on a fine patch of form in the NBA playoffs. What team did he debut in the NBA with? Uh, might need a clue on that one. A clue? Hang on, I'm just trying to find the question so I can tell you because I don't actually know the answer. <laughs> it's a fa- it's a famous team with a nu- with a with a great number. Oh, uh, go with the Bulls. How about that for a clue, Ricardo? Pulled that one out of the clouds. <laughs> Here you go, Simon. Here's the money question: Which NRL team won by the biggest margin over the weekend? Um, five, four. Three. Come on, Tommy, give us an answer. Two. Oh, the Eels. Unlucky, Simon. Close, but not the Eels. Let's go to Brenton in Auckland. Brenton, which in our team? Which, which, which in our oh, yeah, team? Brother. I'm good, buddy. And I know you know the answer to this. Which in our team won the biggest margin over the weekend in the NRL? That'd be the Sharks, my friend. The <laughs> mighty Sharks. <laughs> Ah, oh, there you go. Always timing it right, that, did hey, Brenton. Kimpy. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that, that's who I've got in our sweet state. You know how we're doing that. Is he first? Uh, oh, I'm on your team, man. We're playing a uh, thing. Yeah, that's right. And we were, mate, I think we were out by quite a distance. We'd, we'd taken a 10-length lead there at one stage. I don't know after the weekend because I know that a number of uh, Izzy te- Izzy's teams won, but the boys will, will uh, update that and flick it back out to us. But you just, you just keep keep your hands nice and warm there, mate, because I think our teams are waiting for the back end of the season. You got anything to, to punt on for yeah. us this week? You like anything? Uh, I'll probably look at the NRL, man, later in the week. Just a little small game multi, maybe. Yep. I picked the bloody uh, Titans to beat uh, Manly. I think I, uh, I think I put on 13 plus too. That, that paid all right. There you go. Nice work. Well, you got paid, you got paid on that. Hey, uh, well done today, mate. You picked up that fifty dollars bonus bet. If you want to, uh, a chance to win that, call in tomorrow. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We'll take a short break and we'll be back after this. Yeah, we're a couple of minutes away from seven o'clock. It's. Uh, 0800-150-811 on our Kenan's Higher phone line. If you want to give us a call anytime this morning, myself and Ricardo, you can find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing.nz. And yes, another group winner for Te Alco and the Tangerine Army on Saturday when the big grey aromatic ran down Sakura Girl and took out uh, the Travis Stakes for Mark Walker, ridden by Opie Bossom. But it was Denby Road that stole the show. At the 200 metres across the track, it's going to be uh, Denby Road over on the inside. Grabs the lead now, short of the line. Out wide here, Petrucci's running on. The big fellow wins, Denby Road. Denby Road has beaten Petrucci. And Ryan Elliott, what a peach, what a peach of a ride. He came through, three off the rail, the big fella. And they were coming at him in a very competitive finish, but he was equal to the task. I've got no idea what's run second, third or fourth, folks. I'm sorry, but Denby Road has won it. I can tell you that much. Yeah, that's right. Denby Road in the English Sales Cambridge Breeders Stakes Group 3 won that. And 
as you could hear, George Simon call was ecstatic about that. And this is a big shout out to Georgie Simon, who's a fantastic caller and a great bloke, the owner of Denby Road, uh, winning the English uh, Sales Cambridge Breeder Stakes uh, on Saturday. I was watching that. Georgie, I know you're listening. Uh, we just want to say from Izzy and Kempe on The Breakfast Show, a big shout out to you and your wife. Uh, well done to Ryan Elliott, uh, also trained there by Stacey Hale. And, mate, you get plenty of clickers in the pocket come Saturday. Uh, we've got a big show for you today. Coming up after 7 o'clock, we're going to go and talk to Jacob Spoonley uh, and interview him about the Phoenix. And, of course, uh, we've got plenty more, our very own specials in F1 Aroha coming up shortly too. That's us. Uh, we'll take a short break and we will come back after the news with Aroha. Four minutes past seven here on SCNZ. This is Ricardo and Kempe for breakfast. Coming up on the show, Jacob Spoonley joins us shortly. We're going to talk Phoenix, talk EPL with him as well. Kempe's got an off-the-back fence for you. We'll grab some headlines with Joe. We'll have our choices flooring poll as well for you. It's a goodie today too. You'll get stuck into this. Uh, Araha, not only will she give us news, she's going to give us a, a weather and F1 update as well. After eight o'clock, Ian Jones, Carmo, is going to join us. We're going to talk super rugby with him, particularly after his Chiefs got up over the Crusaders in Hamilton on Saturday night. Paul Mawadi will drop by from the TAB for a yarn. And uh, we'll also have Justin Morgan out of the Warriors as well before 9 o'clock. All that and more to come uh, here on SENZ uh, Breakfast with Ricardo and Kempe. But uh, joining us now to talk football is former all-white and uh, Phoenix player and Auckland City player, by more clubs than Tiger Woods type bloke, uh, Jacob Spoonley. G'day, mate. How you doing? Good, boys. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. And uh, the Phoenix getting back... On the horse, just at the right time, mate. I mean, it couldn't have been a better result against MacArthur, could it? Kept a clean sheet, got three points, and secured uh, sixth place. They did. They finally secured finals football, Ricardo. They could have done this a long time ago, but their recent run of incredibly poor form has been that they've left it right up until midnight to sneak into the finals. And I think sneaking's probably the wrong word, Ricardo, but it kind of feels like this team is not entering the finals uh, framework in quite the right state of mind at the moment. Right, the clean sheet was in there, but they looked vulnerable right at the end. And then outside of the goal for Zavada, the team didn't quite seem to click against the bottom of the table side in MacArthur. Hey, Jacob, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Did it give you any confidence, the win against MacArthur, uh, MacArthur that they can go out and beat Adelaide on Friday night? <laughs> It's a very different <laughs> proposition. Uh, so bottom of the table, MacArthur, a side that didn't have early Devere, um, and uh, a team that had basically written off the season, and the only motivation that they had was securing contracts for next year up against a pissed-off Adelaide United side. Adelaide United obviously lost earlier in the weekend against the Mariners. They themselves are hoping to secure a weekend off next week and now the Wellington Central has to travel to Hindmarsh Stadium, Cooper Stadium, um, up against not only the best player in the competition in Craig Goodwin, but a team that has demonstrated the ability to rip opponents apart at home. 
Last time the Phoenix played Adelaide was about five weeks ago. It was the start of that horrible run of form. They lost 5-1 over there. They had no Oscar Zavada at the time, to be fair to them. And I talked to Ufuk Tale last week, and he said that even though uh, they lost 5-1, he said he didn't think the score reflected how the game went. Um, what do you make of those comments, and how close do you think the Phoenix can get? Yeah, look, I'd probably be a bit um, negative in terms of the opening of this interview, mate, but um, that's how I'm kind of feeling about the season. I had them pinned as a team that would make it into the top four comfortably, and I feel like the team hasn't quite met those expectations. In terms of Ufi's uh, comments after the Adelaide game, I actually do agree with them. And if you look at the way in which this Phoenix team has matched up against Adelaide over the course of the season, they had a really comprehensive 3-1 win earlier in the season, and then they drew 2-2 to kick off the season when they really should have won. So that 2-2 draw is the start of the pretty depressing pattern where the Phoenix dropped points from winning positions. So although 5-1 was the result last time, I don't think the Phoenix will go to Hindmarsh bearing that sort of result again. I don't think we'll see a repeat. However, I did think that the Phoenix matched up very well against Wanderers, and Wanderers ripped them apart 4-0. <clears throat> So they need to be mindful that, at the moment, they're their own worst enemies. That's what it's going to come down to. If they can get Zavada firing, if they can find them through the likes of Barbarousas, uh, Sass and Ball, um, then they will look good. And if they get um, Bojidar Krayev back to form as well, they will be able to hurt Adelaide, who have at times demonstrated a weak centre. However, the concerning thing for me is, how do you keep the likes of Craig Goodwin, um, Ibasuki, Erin Kunda, all quiet over the course of 19 minutes when this Adelaide team has not only played with confidence this year, but as I said before, they are a bit of a wounded animal at the moment, having themselves not met expectations. Jacob, but it's it's, it's about reset, the reset, isn't it? Like you, you struggle for the last six weeks and then you go out, you secure this, um, this point uh, against MacArthur, they'll get you into the semi-finals. Isn't it a reset now and about attitude? And when you're going over that 90 minutes with the likes of... Uh, Zawada back in the side, it's now semi-final time and, and it's do or die. You put everything on the table and you go out there and win it. Is that how you see it? That's exactly it, MP. I think the Wellington Phoenix, uh, they've gone through a phase. We heard that Ufi Tale during the week got players to confront each other about their poor performances, to hold each other accountable. Now, it feels like if that was successful... They've gone through this phase of reconciliation, and now what they've got the ability to do is look forward to the finals and knowing that each 90 minutes stands alone. They need to go out and perform for 45, turn it into 90, and if they do that and they keep it tight, they will have that motivation to just get across the line with even the barest of margins, and in doing so, knowing that that is a win for them. Jacob, I do wonder that... Uh, with the timing of that bad run of form towards the end of the season, came came around the same time as the club announced that Clayton Lewis, Stephen Yugarkovich, and Oli Sale were leaving, and also around the time that you know it was revealed that uh, Ufuk Tale was looking at other options. I, I've talked to many people in the club, players, coaches, etc. They all say it hasn't been a factor, but I mean, surely that can't be a coincidence. Look, the players, as I understand it, the players um, knew about the potential moves for their colleagues and also that Ufi Tale was uh, thinking about moving on. And fair enough, Ricardo. He's had four seasons at the Wellington Phoenix. He really has got them to punch above their weight. Um, 
I think that the, the team knew about it a long time before it became public knowledge or there was rumor uh, going around. So I don't, like, you can't say that it affects them once it got out into the public sphere and it wasn't affecting them when they had that wonderful run of, I think it was nine or so results unbeaten. So I struggle with that. I know Paul Eiffel has a very different take, but I genuinely think that um, this comes down to taking the next step. For me, the Wellington Phoenix have at times lacked maturity and a ruthlessness. Um, and for me, that's a mentality issue. I don't think you can necessarily mask it by saying, oh, it's the last dance. They haven't quite, um, uh, so they have been affected by uh, the potential exit at the end of the season. So I think that probably is a contributory factor, but it's been one that's been manageable. All right, mate. The other uh, semi-final this weekend, or the playoff game this weekend, is the Sydney Derby, West Sydney versus Sydney FC. Uh, how many cards do you expect in this one? Because I reckon it's going to be like the World Series of Poker. <laughs> yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers do love playing bully ball, don't they? So they love to get aggressive at the back, led by that UFC menace, Marcelo. Uh, loves grappling players and has done so throughout the course of the season, including our own Ollie Sale. This is going to be a game where... I think Wanderers, they should probably win, but they're up against a team probably best suited to finals football, if I'm being honest, Ricardo. They've got the experience. They've got the pedigree. Uh, Sydney FC have obviously been a force throughout the, the duration of the competition. And then you combine that with the very fluid attack they've got up front in Mac, um, who's an absolute menace, and Joe Lolly, who's uh, probably just behind Craig Goodwin and Oscar Zavada in terms of the most impactful player of the season. So I think this is going to have fireworks. There'll be goals, but you're right. There'll also be moments where the referee's going to really need to manage the game and will be tested. Hey, Jacob, yesterday we saw uh, Satili Tupunui at the Warriors um, stay on for a shoulder charge. Just tell me, how did Diego Joga, um, uh, Jota, who scored the winner on the, uh, in the game for Liverpool this morning, stay on after his heat, heat kick of uh, Oliver Skip? So a little bit of context for the audience here, Kempe. Um, you would not have got up at 3.30 in the morning. And can you check across the uh, studio to see how many straws Ricardo's grasping at? Because he has absolutely cherry-picked an, an incredibly poor performance from Paul Tierney. Yes, I completely accept that Jota should not have been on the field after that. It was a dead-set red card. I've got no idea why VAR didn't intervene. But ask him how... Hoiberg and Skip also stayed on the field as well because they were horrific. Paul Tierney had a probably the worst game of the season from a refereeing point of view. He missed a lot. There were some poor calls. And he got himself into all sorts of trouble by failing to manage Mason and Klopp, who were pretty poor on the sideline, I've got to say. Yeah, it, it does bring something up, Jacob. You mentioned there because you, you said you know Tierney had bad calls on the field. You can you can accept that from referees from time to time, but when you've got VAR yeah. in your back pocket as a backup and a guy who can see everything from many angles and slow things down and re-watch stuff, there's no excuse for getting that stuff wrong, is there? I, this, is, this is the thing that I really struggle with, Ricardo, is that I'm a massive advocate for VAR being used in football. It is used in NRL, it is used in rugby, it is used in basketball, it is used in the NFL. So you need to have it in your back pocket because there are now millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, on the line over the course of 12 months. Um, so I think you need to have accuracy and objectivity. Why we didn't see VAR intervene this morning is beyond me, and it speaks to this lack of maturity with the way in which football uses it. We don't know how it's supposed to be managed. We don't know when the fourth official, the fifth official rather, is supposed to intervene. 
why not just give the referee the opportunity to make the call on the field, having seen what he's seen in real time, and then had the opportunity to compare that against different camera angles? I don't think the system is working at the moment, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, mate, I 100% agree. Uh, really frustrating. We also saw when uh, Liverpool got the winner, obviously Klopp had had a few run-ins with Tierney uh, during the game, but he ran up to the fourth official, squared up to the fourth official in part of his celebration. Uh, he got yellow carded for that. And we, we've seen we've seen where some, you know, I saw a few people say, you know, it wasn't that much different to what Mitrovic did. Um, you know, I know Klopp pulled his hammy as well, which is going to rub salt into that wound. But uh, what did you make of the way he performed on the sideline? Um, look, I think he's got history with tyranny. And the other point that I have just seen, having looked at it online, is that this is the first time that an official has refereed seven games of a particular team. So um, Tierney, uh, this is like a rivalry between him and Klopp that has been stoked by the regularity of fixtures that he's been put in charge of involving Liverpool. That's not an excuse for behaving the way Klopp behaved on the sideline. And he himself has put his hand up and said, yep, fully deserved the yellow card and was lucky not to get something else. In terms of comparing it to what Mitrovic and Fernandes did during the course of the season, I think it's something that should have been punished more harshly. Um, is my gut reaction, and Klopp was very lucky not to get a red card. It's nowhere near putting your hands on an official, though, mate. And that's something that Fernandez in particular was very lucky getting away with earlier in the season at Anfield. And I would like to see a lot more punishment dished out when players do get. Um, I think what well, I'm going to actually. I'm, I'm committing acrobats here, mate. But I think, having said this, I think um, Klopp probably could have looked at the suspension as well because you can't get in the face of officials. You definitely cannot lay hands on them. Yeah, especially uh, you're running sort of 10 metres to yell in his face uh, the way he did. Um, but More gymnastics than we uh, used to see on the goal line from you, Jacob, to be fair. Um, before, before I let <laughs> it was a real-time real time evolution of an answer there, Ricardo. <laughs> it was. Hey, before I let you go, though, mate, um, I've got to ask uh, Manchester City. Uh, Mark Ogden, who's a Manchester United fan and has written a lot of Manchester United stuff, uh, did a story on ESPN the other week and said that United are the only thing standing between City and a treble. Uh, for me, it, there's, there's a small matter of two games against a team called Real Madrid who have a bit of European pedigree that might get in the way as well. Um, who do you think is more likely to stop the treble? I think it's going to be Real Madrid, mate. Um, they're the team that is so well designed to take on opponents and to win the Champions League. And we've, we saw it over the last couple of seasons. They are a machine in that competition. Also, Ricardo, part two, United fans need to pipe down. Liverpool have had a poor season. Spurs have had a poor season. Chelsea have fucking fallen off. Sorry, Chelsea have fallen off a cliff. Um, so uh, I think United fans are starting to chirp a little bit. Third place or second place, wherever they're going to finish. Um, I don't think that's necessarily enough for them to start getting involved in a conversation. They're probably still, still one or two years away. Yeah, all right. Good stuff, Jacob. Thanks very much for your time, brother. Go well. Have a great Monday. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. Ciao. Cheers. Jacob Spoonley there with us. 18 past seven here on SCNZ. This is Breakfast with Ricardo and Kempe. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Fence with Tony Kemp. Well, if you thought the Chiefs' mana weren't the red, real deal, then you better remove those red and black one-eyed patches. We could be looking at a side that goes through this competition unbeaten and takes the Crusaders' long-held mantle. Who knows? They may be the best team to follow for many years to come, Ricardo. The Crusaders clearly had a plan to stop 
Damien McKenzie, but unfortunately they forgot that before stopping DMAC, you have to look after the middle of the park, otherwise they will simply roll straight over the top of you. Who would have thought that the Munna would do that to the Crusaders? DMAC though, he did look vulnerable early on. However, with Fozzie sitting in the grandstand, DMAC delivered and all but confirmed that he was ready to lead the All Blacks around the field as the premier number 10 in the country. Actually signed a two-year deal on the back of that as well. He made some big plays that would not have gone unnoticed by the Brains Trust, who had this very number 10 showdown as one to watch. But for me, it was Sean Stevenson again who looked right at home in the pressure cooker. In front of his big home crowd, this was a game that was for the ages, and Sean showed that he is ready for the next step. The question is, will Fozzie help Sean Stevenson realise his dream and make that next step, or... Well, we just have to wait for Razor and the new regime to come in to unleash this prodigi- uh, prodigious talent. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Tell you what, Kempy, you bang on there. I mean, I, I, I think uh, Sean Stevenson's going to look great in a Dolphins jersey next season. But um, that, that aside, <laughs> um, it feels like Damien McKenzie's gone past Bowden Barrett. Has he gone past Richie Mwanga as well? Well, I think, I think when you're playing those type of games and you get you know, an opportunity to show your wares. See, Ricardo, it comes down to selection and, and what you're selection, selecting. Are you selecting on form or are you selecting on past performance? And I know that past performance in a black jersey goes a long way to getting you selected in that team. Uh, for me, I think Bowden Barrett will still be there. I feel sorry for Stephen uh, Putafeta. I think that he'll miss that spot. I think Bodie will get that third spot. But if it was a fight out at the moment, you've got to say D-Mac's been down down the Crusaders and then at home this weekend he's done Richie Mwonga twice you know as, as a as a Premier 10 because the games come down to the 10s don't they yeah they do and the other thing that I think was more impressive because I haven't always been McKenzie's biggest fan right uh, you know when Peter Feta was coming through and he was in Japan and people were saying oh is he going to come back uh, New Zealand rugby going to offer him a new deal I'm like why why mm. well, you know we've got these other players don't need him don't need him don't need him uh, but I think that he's really uh, improved his game. He had this tendency, I think it's probably because he played so much at fullback, but he had a tendency at 10 when he was a bit younger to run himself into little cul-de-sacs and get isolated. And so he'd go down these, he'd, he'd, he'd find somewhere to run and then end up getting isolated. Um, he's doing that less and less. And I think the most impressive thing on the weekend was he wasn't always going forward, mm. but he was still managing to um, to get his team out of trouble? He was put under a lot of pressure early on. I think they, they did their homework and did their job early on. But what the one thing I did notice, and this has got nothing to do with him playing 10, was his effort. You know, there's one there's one clip down there where he's right on his try line, they make a tackle, they hold it off, it gets um, put out to the winger, the winger steps inside his wing and goes to score, and Damien McKenzie throws his body at him and, and pushes him over the sideline. Um just on the on the last breath that he had in his body at that time, you know what I mean. So that goes a long way um, when you're watching as a as a selector, as a coach, to say that this guy is actually putting his his team first and and his effort first. You know, like um, and for and for me, I think that's probably what he's got Richie in at, at the moment. Whether or not he gets that spot in front of Richie, look, I'd have to say probably not. I think they will go with tried and tested. Um, and the other thing about DMAC too is that he can cover both the 10 and the 15, mm. you know, as opposed to Richie being a specialist number 10. So uh, it's going to be interesting when those, those selections come around. If, I, you know, in, in five weeks' time when they go through unbeaten um, and they pick the, the all black team, you know, the, the other thing about that, 
Like, how good is it having all the All Blacks playing in that big game? Yeah, it was you know? great. It was great. So I, th- I think when people people come and watch games when all, when all your players are playing, not being rested. Interesting you said when they go through unbeaten, because I was looking at it and going, okay, so if they get past the Crusaders, uh, that's one big hurdle, but they've got another big hurdle. Brumbies in Canberra, second to last game of the, yeah. of, the, of the round robin. Now I've seen the, the Brumbies that turned up against the Hurricanes in Wellington on Friday weren't that impressive. No. So I, I'm wondering just how good they are. They just look really good against other Australian teams. Yeah, and, and Canberra is a real hard place to go and play. You know, it's a, right down there, bottom of the Blue Mountains, I think it past those and, and it's cold and, you know, there is a bit of a fortress down there for them. But you've got to remember two weeks out from the finals that, that the Chiefs will be trying to pick their form up going into those finals. They don't want to come away from that um, tri- uh, trip saying that they've lost or lost quite heavily going into a final series. So I'm expecting them to go down there and and, and have that as a focus and, and, and probably um, a game which they think that they can harden themselves for the finals in. We're going to be talking more Super Rugby after 8 o'clock with Ian Jones, the Carmo kid. Uh, no doubt he's still grinning from ear to ear after that big performance at the weekend. Coming uh, up this hour, we uh, are still going to be uh, talking to Araha about the Formula One. She's going to give us a weather update from around the country as well. Still have time for your calls and texts on double eight double three and 0800 150 We've got a Choices Flooring Poll coming your way shortly right now, though. Let's get to Araha with news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Twenty nine away from eight o'clock. Thanks uh, for that. Araha will catch up with you shortly on Formula One and get a weather update as well. Though time to throw now to uh, Joe for some headlines. Thanks to Kennard's Tire. Too easy weekend. Yes, Ricardo. The Miami Heat are on track to win their first uh, game of the series against the Knicks. They're ahead 107-97 with 23 seconds left in the quarter, so that one's pretty much over. The Warriors and the Kings are about to start as well. Um, They're tied three all in the series. It's game seven. The winner faces the Lakers. Also, Daniel McCarty's Maple Leafs got up yesterday. They're through to the next round of the NHL playoffs, which leads me very nicely into our Choices Flooring poll. Choices Flooring spaces for living catalogue sale on now. So Daniel McCarty was on the show a couple of weeks ago saying he actually doesn't want his Toronto Maple Leafs to make the next round because <laughs> they always let him down. Mm. Which, you know, it's pretty a pessimistic way to look at things. He's not going to be happy with you, Joe. No, he's not going to be happy with me at all because I, I continually said, I think they're going to make it, I think they're going to make it, and I think I've pushed them to getting over the hump. Um, so my question today is, out of these perennial losers, who will be the first to end their fans' suffering? <laughs> <laughs> you can vote on the app. Uh, no, you don't have to say it like that. I know. <laughs> I'm just... Funnier than you do, though. Well, can be, I was in the stands yesterday and it hurt. I was sitting next to some Roosters fans and I thought, the, are the Warriors if Ever, ever gonna win? Well, yeah, who knows? But uh, Tottenham Hotspurs, Tottenham Hotspurs, even worse. I mean, they got a dr- they uh, they lost a close one against the Liverpool today. Toronto Maple Leafs, of course. Wellington Phoenix, will they get over the hump? 
or the New York Knicks. They just went down to the heat in the first game of that series. Um, who do you think, boys? Who are going to go to the hump first? Oh, actually, sorry, just to quickly uh, say something. I looked through my uh, emails about a minute ago from Friday and saw that we have a Chemist Warehouse Mother's Day fragrance pack valued at $100 to give away. So if you give us a call now or at 8.30 and give your opinion on the Choices Forum poll, uh, you'll probably win it. <laughs> right, <laughs> okay. Do they have to talk about the perennial losers? They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chemist Warehouse, <laughs> the real house of, a, of big brand fragrances this Mother's Day. Head in store or online today. I'm going to get one for my mum because she loves the Warriors and she's a perennial loser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. The Warriors, Tottenham, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Wellington Phoenix, New York Knicks, who's most likely... Uh, to end their fans, their fans suffering first? That is a great question on the Choices Flooring Poll. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about the ice hockey to, to say. I, I always thought uh, that Toronto side or that Toronto franchise uh, were, were pretty big business. So I would probably say them, Kempe, but um, I don't. New York Knicks with their ownership, probably not. Spurs are a hot mess at the moment. They're on their third coach of the year. Uh, the Wars, well, they've got a few injury problems. And the Knicks, uh, probably not this season. Uh, well, are you allowed to have none of the above? <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Neeps? Uh Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even put them as an option. I, I just never think it's going <laughs> to Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's any false hope there. There's no hope. Oh, I'm going to go the Warriors. I reckon, Warriors. I reckon uh, maybe not this year, but I think if they can continue to sign... Uh, some marquee players, and I know they're bringing Roger back, and with the players that they got in the moment, the attitude that Andrew Webster's building, I'll have to say the Warriors. Yeah, all right. Well, the Kenna Tire phone line is 0800 150 Tire, two easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Uh, calling through on 0800 150 811 is Joe from Gizzy. G'day, Joe. How you doing? Yeah, morning, gentlemen. Morning, gentlemen. Raining here in Gizzy, unlike... Uh Unlike last night where it rained on our parade with that refereeing display, Kempe. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I just thought we were short We were short of a middle link man there to give us another option on those last plays. And also that third and fourth play, like who holds the ball up and we get that wraparound um, offload. I think that's what we missed just on the edge. And then some very basic mistakes from our team let us down last night in a, in a hard game that, uh, you know, we were right in it until the... Uh, Mercurial Mr. Smith decided to put a grubber in and, and the man who should have been in the sin bin scores a try against the Warriors every week. Yeah. Mate, what do you think about uh, this game coming up in Magic Round in Brisbane? And, and of course, uh, are you going to be at the game in, in Napier when they uh, play Brisbane there? Yep, yep. We'll be in Napier. And then uh, I've got a crew. We're coming up to the Dolphins with the, with the BGP boys. So uh, on the 3rd of June, so that'd be great. Oh, I think Magic Round, if it's nice and dry um, and we, we get a couple of people back, I think uh, you know Penrith will be pretty difficult after getting dusted up by the Tigers, really, in, in those conditions. But I think we just need to stick to our game plan, you know, and Sean just had a, he had a lot of kick pressure on him, as you said earlier, Kempe. So I think just a little bit more support around him and uh, we'll go again. But our processes are right. It's just, we're just one or two players away with injuries at the moment, I think. But... Um, Keeping the faith and uh, best sign of the year was the rubbish bin getting Radley. I think uh, that deserves the uh, the Mother's Day award right there. Whoever's holding up that rubbish bin all night. Yes, <laughs> I saw that too. That outstanding, thing. outstanding. Hey, uh, Joe, uh, we're round uh, through nine rounds of the NRL. 
Um, obviously, the, the wires are one, but who else uh, do you like? Who else do you like in the NRL at the moment if you had to pick a uh, grand finalist? Oh, you're probably looking at someone like Souths. You know, they're just starting to come back. They start slowly. They build into it. They've got a few players coming back. And when Latrell and that start hitting form, it's just um, these other mercurial superstars who just produce winning moments. And the Broncos were in it uh, the other night, and then Latrell and Cody put the foot down, and then bang, away they went. I think Graham's outstanding, should be in the Origin team this year. Um, I love what the Dolphins are doing. Yeah, I love that Kiwi backbone that's in there, which bodes well for the Kiwis going forward um, as a bolter. And it's just really good to see it. the competition is tight now. And there's no runaway leader like Penrith in the last few seasons where everyone's playing for second. So I think it's uh, the development across the game is brilliant. The attendance is brilliant. And what they've got as a product is great. We just need to get a decent ref here in New Zealand every now and then, and we'll, we'll be right there, gentlemen. Yep, uh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, Joe. I don't know what the bunker was doing, all the ref was doing, to be fair, but there you go. Uh, make sure you go and view that Choices Flooring poll online uh, and Choices Flooring online magazine with over 100 inspiring pages and choicesflooring.com. Uh, when we come back... Araha's going to join us. We'll get a weather update from around the country. It's obviously raining in Gisborne. We'll just say that from Joe. Find out what else is happening, and we'll get the latest from Formula One as well. We're 16 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. It is Ricardo and Kempi for breakfast. You can call us anytime on the Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150 or you can send us a text to the Temper Bedpost text machine 8833. Uh, we're joined in the studio by Aroha uh, for an update, not just on what's happening in the rain, but what's happening in the F1 as well. Where do you want to go first, Aroha? What's, what's happening with the weather bomb? Oh, the rain would be more exciting than the F1 was overnight. <laughs> <laughs> was, Max, Max Verstappen was like the most exciting thing that happened when he told I'm not allowed to say it am I oh, he called called George Russell a, quite a cool name did he? yeah after yeah. having his side pod ripped out during R- rhymes the, with um, uh, Rick Stead Rick Stead. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. all I could think of. That's good. I like it. I, like I would it. have said the thing otherwise. Yeah. I would yeah. have said the actual word. Yeah. 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 Nice. No, so, um, well, Sergio Perez won. He beat uh, Verstappen. Checo. I love him. The crowd loves him. Everybody loves him. You know, he's like the Mexican Tom Cruise. Have you looked at him closely? No. He looks like Tom Cruise a bit. Oh, really? But he also has. The Mexican Tom Cruise. Yeah, you've got to like if you Google a picture of him, there are That's probably. That's like saying Cliff Curtis looks like the Māori Escobar. <laughs> he played him, didn't he? It he was did. something like. He did. Um, so yeah, so but Checo actually looks like because he puts his head to the side and he sort of leans back. He actually looked like looks like he could do some damage if he mm. wasn't an F one. He would be in charge of the underworld just with his death stare. Hey, can I, can I ask you a question just on the F1? Like, what happened to Red Bull with the, you know, because the, the last I heard is with that the they, cap. with the salary cap, because it sort of got swept under the carpet. Oh, I don't think we'll see the results of any kinds of punishments from the salary cap until maybe in the next season, because, you know, that none of that came out until the end of last season, and they'd already been spending money on the development for this season. And you never really know what's happened. Christian Horner says one thing, and I trust him about as far as I can. Actually, I could probably throw him a fair way. He's a wee guy, isn't he? He's only small. Um, But I I don't trust anything that a team principal says because 
the rhetoric is just, uh, when you hear it in 12 press conferences, the same sentence, you know that's what they've had written down by their press guys and they're just saying it over and over and well, over everything again. Everything they say is self-serving. Yes. So they were found to have breached the cost cap and they got some penalties. They weren't humongous. It's not like they've been kicked out. It's not like they could retrospectively take a title away. I don't know what sort of precedent that would set going forward. Well, it did to the storm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Um, what about then, uh, is, is the biggest story out of uh, the Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan uh, F1 that Charles Leclerc didn't completely screw it up? He had pole and finished third, which is probably better than we'd expect given how his season's been. I don't think it's that his season's been poor. I think it's they just don't have the fastest car. You know, they're still trying mm. to figure out their cars. This is only the second iteration of this type of car. Mm. And they had the regulations changed on them again at the beginning of this season with um, floor ride heights, etc., to try and stop the porpoising. Um, I think he just doesn't have the fastest car. When you have a look at how far... So if you didn't watch it this morning and you don't and you are going home to watch it, stick your fingers in your ears. So Checo came first, mm. Max came second, a couple of seconds behind Checo, but Charles Leclerc was like 14 seconds back. So Red Bull, there would have been a point where Red Bull would have gone ahead of the pack and then said, manage. Like once Max couldn't get any closer to Checo, they just would have been managing because they were trying to hold on to their tyres. 14 seconds clear of the rest of the entire field. That's so much faster than anybody else. Now, if you took those top two cars out, it was a really exciting race. But but the front of the, you know, I didn't, I fell back to sleep. Honestly, I was fast forwarding through it. I was just like, oh, I can't even be bothered. It's just going to be Checo, Max. I was like, I was, I was glad Checo won. Oh, yeah. I said Checo, that's weird. Checo. <laughs> Checo <laughs> Perez, um, So uh, how does that leave the leaderboard? And how, how, I mean, what, is, what does it mean for uh, the teams and, and for the drivers? Well, it means that Jekyll is only six points behind Max Verstappen. Like, Max has been a bit sour all weekend. It's been wonderful to watch him lose his rag again. I mean, I love watching people lose their rag as long as I'm not in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he's, he's kind of like... He looked like the Max who used to go racing with Lewis a little bit. And he kind of couldn't let go of the fact that George Russell had hit him in that opening lap of the sprint. The format changed for the sprint this year too. So I don't know if you know about the sprints, Kempe. No, not at all. What they try and do, because the weekend's totally boring if you're not an absolute Formula One diehard fan. So for years and years and years, all you really did was watch the race. But now you can watch pre-season testing, you can watch... All the things. You can even watch them practising on a Friday and a Saturday. You know, just going round and round. No one's winning anything. You're watching them collect data. That's it. So to spice things up, they have the sprint race. And now you have a qualifying session for the main race. Yep, I'm well aware of that one. But then you have a qualifying session for a sprint race as well. So they have a sprint race and then they go and do... It's like T20, one day. Well, they, well, yes, but they're what they're trying, trying to do, to innovate. it's money. Yeah. So what they do is instead of having one event on one day, you've got like a four-day weekend. How is qualifying for the sprint race different from qualifying from the main race? Shorter. Right. And the sprint is fewer points for fewer teams, so only the top eight get points. Now, so, you, sorry. Can you be, so I was just going to say, so why are Red Bull so good? Like, how come they're 14 seconds ahead of everyone? Because Red Bull gives you wings. 
<laughs> yeah. Especially I don't want to state the obvious. Flying over the top of Lewis <laughs> Hamilton's car last year. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to say they breached the cost cap. Yeah. That's why I asked the they question right up good, front. They did have a lot of money prior. So they have won lots of world championships and then sort of Toto Wolf comes along and steals their bone. Uh, seven, six years with Lewis Hamilton. Lewis won a championship without without Mercedes. He had one in his pocket already. So they had a lot of money. Red Bull threw a lot of money at it and they just kept throwing money at it. And it did well for them because they won a lot of world championships with Sebastian Vettel. And then they just stopped because Mercedes came along and got the best car. So they've had the best car too, Mercedes. But those two teams and Ferrari have a lot of money, which is why the cost cut was brought in to kind of even things out. But all it's really done is given us one, another team at the top. And you won't see those things change. It's called a law of diminishing returns mm. for a little while before everyone gets closer and closer and closer and that squash starts to happen. Because what, what also happens is teams develop throughout the year. They develop their cars and bring upgrades throughout the year. So through the next couple of years, you'll see other cars improve their technology and their car designs and they'll get closer and closer to Red Bull. Question for you about George Russell. Obviously, him and and, and uh, Lewis Hamilton aren't the best of buddies. But George, Are they? no, apparently not. And and they also, okay. George Russell had a proper crack at Mercedes over qualifying. Do you think there's a chance that I don't think he's agitating for a move? But do you think there's a chance that they move George Russell on Mercedes just because he has had cracks at Toto Wolff? He's had a no, crack at the car. I don't think they'd ever move. I don't think they'd move him on. They they worked too hard to get him. I mean, why would you replace the best? partner in crime that Lewis Hamilton, that you could ever want. Valtteri Bottas was the ultimate team player. And look at how many world championships they won together. George Russell, oh, he's a guy who's hard not to tease. He's the guy who takes the selfies with no T-shirt on. Mm. Have oh, you ever played yeah. with guys like that in your team? Oh, thousand. I've played with girls like that in my team. You know, he's the guy, no T-shirt Napier's selfies. like that in our team. You know. <laughs> it's that guy. He's that guy. Stop clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Auntie. Sorry about that. Um, but he is very confident and he is a really good driver. If he can out-qualify, he didn't this time around, but he has out-qualified Lewis Hamilton. Admittedly, they're not in the same kind of car that Valtteri Bottas had. Yeah. Valtteri could also out-qualify Lewis. Um, but before you before you skip back to the newsroom. Um, oh, don't make me. Okay. Uh, what is the latest update on the weather? Oh, it's it's not flash, but it's not like it's Cyclone Gabrielle sort of stuff. It's another atmospheric river. Basically, there are a couple of weather systems sandwiching that wet stuff over the top of the North Island, and it's just kind of going to funnel. They reckon up to, they use the words up to, remember, right. up to a metre's worth of rain for mm. parts of New Zealand, like Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, maybe Bay of Plenty. Tasman gets a bit of a dousing too. But strong wind warnings in place and a roastery north of Auckland got completely destroyed, a big oak tree. Lucky no one was inside it. You look at the pictures, it's completely kiboshed. Mm. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so Max Verstappen, Verstappen at the top of the table, Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso in third place, followed by Lewis Hamilton. Who would have thought? Yeah, there you go. That is the uh, latest from F1. Thanks very much, Araha. Um, and uh, a weather update all thrown in for you as well. We are six away from eight here on SCNZ. It's breakfast with Ricardo and Kempi. 
It's coming up 8 o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo in for Izzy, who will be back later this week. And a text already in for Izzy uh, from Rex saying, where do I send the paper towels for Izzy after his crusaders? Got a walloping. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Rex. So thoughtful. So thoughtful. Keep me coming through. Double eight, double three. Actually, in the next hour, Ian Jones, Carmo, is going to be on. We're going to be talking Super Rugby, particularly that Chiefs-Crusaders game uh, and the impacts it might have on the All Blacks. If you've got any questions that you want us to ask Ian Jones for you, Text them through to us now, double eight double three. That is the temper bed post text machine. Double eight double three. We'll get those questions to Carmo in the next hour. We'll also catch up with Paulie Mawati from the TAB and Warriors assistant coach Justin Morgan's going to be with us as well. We'll talk uh, about that game yesterday at Mount Smart, the conditions and having the shorter shorts at Mount Smart. All of that and more to come after this. Here's Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Kia good morning and uh, welcome into the show Aotearoa, it's Ricardo and Kempi for breakfast, four past eight coming up on the show, uh, the man they call Karma, Ian Jones, he joins us shortly to talk Super Rugby and his Chiefs getting up over the Crusaders in Hamilton, he'll be still grinning ear to ear no doubt, Paulie Mawadi from the TAB on with us as well, uh, this hour we'll catch up with the Choices Flooring Poll, get the results of that from Joe and Justin Morgan from the Warriors as well before nine o'clock, all that and more coming your way. Uh, last uh, Over the weekend, the Crusaders went to Hamilton to take on the Chiefs, looking to overturn the 31-10 loss that they had in the first round. They couldn't get it done. The Chiefs got the W, and a man who uh, won't stop grinning, I'm sure, is Ian Jones. He joins us now. How are you doing, Carmo? Yeah, good morning, Ricardo. Yeah, doing very, very well. Thanks, mate. And uh, my body's not as battered. As some of those players on Saturday night would be, I'm sure. No, I'm sure, mate. It was a, it was a tough game. Uh, first time a team has done the double over the Crusaders in Super Rugby since 2017. Uh, this Chiefs side at the moment looking very, very good. Hard to see where they slip up. Yeah, but it also shows uh, over history what a wonderful side the Crusaders have been and will continue to be. Um, and that was a real ding-dong battle. But, yep, the Chiefs... Had, well, A, they had the crowd for a start. We often talk, don't we, Ricardo, about home advantage. It is a real thing, in my opinion. Um, and that crowd absolutely deserves the Player of the Day award. They got them across the line. But more so than that, the heart, the resilience of, of the Chiefs, the depth, clearly, of the Chiefs. But um, it was a game, oh, it was a wonderful game in Super Rugby. You know, I'm very, very biased. But when rugby's played at that level, it really is the greatest game in the world. Hey, Carmo, Cam- where did you see the game won when you were watching it? Uh, yeah, good question, Kempi. Uh, just like everything, mate, moments, I think, depth, uh, fitness levels uh, in some regards. You know, Crusaders uh, through some early injuries, or well, injuries every game were forced to play some of their guys longer minutes than they probably uh, should do. So even those little, those little things like that, Kempi, had a huge, huge deal. Um so the energy of the bench coming off from the Chiefs probably got there in the end, um, which adds, adds a question about you know, fatigue and sport is a, is a real thing as well. So it wasn't much separating them, to be honest with you, buddy, but I think it was uh, the energy, uh, the bench, and some of those Crusaders players having to play bigger minutes than they normally would. Do you think that Damien McKenzie um, has the wood over Richie Moonga now that he's got both games under his belt? Um, mate, I'm, I'm 
discussed that plenty of times, when Dane McKenzie can go to fullback, and that was, in my opinion, his biggest influence when Bryn Gatlin came on and Dane McKenzie were allowed to run a little bit wider. He had a bigger influence on the game than when he was at 10. You saw the way he started, and Carter and I and Wado and I and Chief Smart have talked about this a lot. Um, at super rugby level, when the Chiefs were getting domination, go forward ball, really quick delivery of football from Brad Weber, Dane McKenzie was allowed to run laterally and do what he did, and brilliant. Um, fast forward, if he's in the All Black jersey, you think in the current state of play with the big packs around the world, Ireland, France, South Africa, would the All Blacks get that same domination, same speed of delivery, and would he be able to do that at 10? The answer was uh, confirmed for us in the first half. When the Chiefs weren't getting that, Damien was under all sorts of pressure. Uh, we couldn't get any ball going forward, um, which is why when he goes to fullback, he, he has such a major impact. So I still don't think he's got the wood over uh, Richie Mawanga at 10 uh, at, at international level, but certainly at super rugby level, mate, and they are different things, Kempe, don't... And it's interesting, we keep hearing the commentators telling us um, this is an all-black, this is test match level, um, when it's not. Uh, it's not at all. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm still firmly in my, my belief. Uh, he has such an amazing impact when he's, when he's wider out and can find those mismatches like he did in the last 20 minutes of the game. There's something you touched on there, Carmo, is that you know you get credit in the bank for what you do in the black jersey, and that overrides whatever happens the next season in Super Rugby. But that said, it does feel like Damien McKenzie's probably ahead of Bowden Barrett now, doesn't it? Yeah, but same argument, mate. You know, I've had this discussion mm. plenty of times, and my humble opinion, I think Bowden Barrett has more influence on the on the impact of a football game when he's wider out as is Dave McKenzie, so uh, you're not going to get an argument there from me. I mean, t- in my opinion, <laughs> at the moment, Richie Mawanga is our, our all-back 10, um, and, and the Bowden Browns of Dave McKenzie in the world are, are, are so dangerous wider out. We saw, we confirmed again, um, the impact of bench players. I mean, Bowden Barrett has been the world's best bench player coming off. Um, and just because they're not starting doesn't mean they're not going to have a huge impact on the outcome of the game. Um, so, you know, the Dame McKenzie's, the Bowden Barrett's coming on, wider out against towering defence can, can change the outcome of the game, like we saw it change the outcome of the game on Saturday night. Another couple of individuals, Carmo, that put their hands up, uh, Cullum Grace, obviously, back in the uh, Crusaders jersey, and, and Sean Stevenson showed a couple of nice touches there. What do you think of their chances come the end of the year? Well, Sean Stevenson has to be contender, but it's not just this year. Once again, Kempe, this guy has been in great form for the last two to three years. He's building nicely, clearly starting to learn more about being a professional both on and off the field. His combination, if we look at combinations with Dave McKenzie going forward into whatever colour jersey they, they play is, is pretty important. But he's a finisher, isn't he, Kempe? He's very good. Um, and and all, all codes need finishers. Um, the ability to get across the, the trial line and finish opportunities. So, yeah, absolutely. I think Sean Stevenson has to be contended. In terms of Callum Grace, well, we, we also need workers too, don't we? But, no, honestly, honestly wouldn't discount Luke Jacobson 
I mean, that guy defensively is just rock solid, does so much more work uh, in that Chiefs defensive line than, than people are actually, I think, commentating on or giving him credit for, uh, allowing Sam Kane to kind of work really hard both sides of the ball. Um, so Luke Jacobson, been in the All Black jersey before, um, good work rate. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we talk about some of the calls going against the Crusaders with their TMO decisions. That rubbish call, um, uh, was it uh, our, our, our winger tackling back, uh, a good shoe high up, penalty, kick into the corner, penalty try, yellow card? They got two tries from when Lake Jacobson in the bin. That could have been a game changer too on a really dodgy bloody referee call. Mm, yeah, it's interesting you say that because we actually already had a, t- a text through saying about, hey, Jaffa boys, plenty of win- whining about the Warriors refereeing, yet nothing about the disgraceful display verging on cheating in the Crusaders game. Come on, boys, open both mm. eyes and stop the Crusader hating. But, Carmo, you, you, I mean, I, I thought the referee went all, went all right in that game. It certainly didn't all go one way. No, it certainly didn't go in one way. I mean... <laughs> A lot of people are talking about the Scott Barrett disallowed try. Here in, in, in rugby, the rugby league, have you ever seen a player shoulders you know, parallel with a, a try line running forward at speed, touches the ball, and it doesn't go forward? The ball has to go forward. Um, it just, you know, it, it was, it was a, in my opinion, it was the right call to bring back that for a knock-on. Um, but, boy... I thought the referee did well because if the game's under pressure. There's always going to be swings and roundabouts. It was a wonderful game of football. Both teams had the opportunity to win it at the end with home advantage and an amazing crowd uh, at, at Rugby Park there in Hamilton. Uh, the home side got across the line. Uh, Carmo, let's talk then about um, the locks because uh, that, that is uh, your particular area of expertise. Brody Retallick, Tupu Vai'i, uh, Scott Barrett, Sam Whitelock were our starting locks in this game. Are those the four locks that the All Blacks will take to the World Cup? Yeah, I, I, yeah you'd have to think so, wouldn't you? I mean, three of them definitely are there. But, I mean, that combination of Whitelock and Retallick has served us so well. We know the impact of Scott Barrett can do. And look at his work rate once more in the weekend. A phenomenal athlete. And boy, it's so lucky to have him there. And Tupava, he is doing so much tighter. He's playing tighter, in my opinion, this year. You know, he was kind of moved around a little bit, wasn't he, between that kind of lock and six position. And when you move around between lock and six, sometimes it shifts with your mentality. Uh, but I think he's playing really tight. The work he's doing at the breakdown, trying to keep up with Brody to kind of contest those rucks have been a great combination. So, yeah, I mean, if those four are fit and available and going to the France at the end of the year, I think we're in pretty good stock. Come on, do you think they can get it, you know, um, any better? The Chiefs, I know they've got a few more players still to come back, but looking at their depth and the, and the, the shape of the side coming finals time, do you think there's, there's another level in them? Absolutely do, Kempi, and they'll know them, that themselves with some of the individual errors that we made in the weekend that once more put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, I think they'll work really hard and will need to work really hard. So much better in the second half, Kempi, about the exits. I mean, you remember back to that Blues game where they were, in my opinion, the better side, but just could not exit their half, therefore put themselves under so much uh, pressure. Same thing 
has 40 minutes in this game. Yeah, so I think they, they can do a lot better from uh, kick receipts. So when they're receiving the kickoff and kind of the exit strategy there, I mean, the impact of Anton you know, Brown and Nankable is going to be a game change with the greatest respect to the two uh, centres they have at the moment. So that's going to be a, a game changer. And, and yeah, maybe that combination of bringing um, Gatlin on a little bit earlier, putting McKenzie to, to fullback or wing or wherever he can be playing in the backfield uh, will really test some of the defences. But, yeah, they, they will be able to improve, mate. But what they've done at the moment, Kempe, is put themselves in a position to have home advantage in the playoffs. Uh, and we know in all codes, in all sports, that is a huge advantage. Now, Carmo, looking for the rest of the season, uh, the probably the biggest or the most difficult game the Chiefs have got in regular season to come is the Brumby, Brumbies in Canberra. We saw the Brumbies in Wellington on Friday night against the Canes. To be honest, I thought they were a little bit disappointing, um, the Brumbies. What did you make of that? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, that game in terms of the overall standings and you know, the buffer that they have, they don't have a major impact in terms of where the playoffs are going to be played. They have a huge impact in terms of confidence and, and the ability for the Chiefs to really target that game. So I was going to kind of happy to lose a game, uh, which you don't want to lose home games, but target that Brumbies away because they may be the team potentially that you face um, at the end. But playing New Zealand sides at home, um, Ricardo, um, congratulations to two players, actually, Jordan Savia, 150 games, Sam Whitehawk, 350, uh, shows the passion that they have for our sport. Um, longevity will lead to that legacy. And, and both players will no doubt go down as, as two of our greats. Yeah, yeah, 100%, Carmo. All right, good stuff, mate. Thanks for coming on today, mate. Go well. Uh, I hope you're recovering well from the uh, the old I Am Hope You Drop Challenge. How's the body feeling? Uh, it's tired, mate, but um, not, nothing like a good chief win to uh, raise the energy levels, Ricardo. So uh, you know what I'm like watching the Chiefs play, mate. I was, my stomach was a bit... <laughs> uh, during the game, there was opportunities there that we we took, which is wonderful opportunities that we gave. The faders that kind of put my stomach and not the heart rate was through the roof. But in the end, uh, it was a pretty satisfying fist pump uh, when the boys got up. And boy, wasn't that a special try at the end or the second one when McKenzie and, and Stevenson combined down that left hand flank? Shit, I wish I was there. Fantastic, mate. Good stuff. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you've did a uh, did a bit of carb loading, a couple of Waikato drafts just to wash that victory down, mate. <laughs> Go well, Carmo. Have a great okay, day, boys. Have a great day, and thanks very much. Cheers, uh, Ian Jones. Here with us, of course. We do have Super Rugby shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights right here on SENZ. You can catch in the, the red tonight with Justin Marshall uh, from seven o'clock, and then uh, we also have. Uh, the Pacific Flare Show on uh, Moana Pacific with uh, Peter Alatini from 7.30. And then if you're a Chiefs fan, well, you want to be tuning in uh, tomorrow night for that one with Carmo to go in depth And every on that morning well. on breakfast, you get the Crusader Show with Izzy and uh, Louie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is SCNZ uh, Breakfast with Ricardo and Kempe. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.
Yes, it's 23 minutes past 8 o'clock and bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. It's our time to catch up with Paulie Mawati from the TAB. Morning, Paulie. How are you? Yeah, morning, boys. Yeah, going well here. Another Monday morning after uh, an eventful uh, weekend of sport and racing. Mate, nothing big, big, bigger, though, than your mate uh, Georgie Simon and Denby Road getting that, uh, that win on the weekend. How good was that? It's sensational, Ike. You could uh, sort of hear it in George's voice as well. He he was absolutely wrapped with the uh, performance of Denby Road uh, picking up the breeders. So, yeah, a, a wonderful um, turn of events for George and his wife and uh, uh, all of the, I guess, the trainer, the stable. It was, yeah, just sensational. Mate, how's live betting going at the moment? you got Fina on, on 23 under and uh, Steve Elker. Uh, also uh, leading the way in the in the seniors at the moment. Live betting going okay? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty um, eventful there as well. I think Alka was around a dollar twenty favourite uh, five or ten minutes ago on that uh, Champions Tour, and in the Mexico Open, um, Tony Finau is almost unbackable now. He's a dollar two to win the uh, Mexico Open. Uh, Brandon Wu is at $21 and John Rahm at 26 So unless we see uh, an absolute uh, reversal of form here by Tony over the um, remaining holes, uh, it looks like it's his tournament to take. He is a dollar two to win the Mexico Open. Uh, and good on him too. So long as uh, Dean Barker's not uh, helming that ship, we should be fine, mate. Um, <laughs> oh, too, too soon, Ricardo. Oh, sorry, sorry, mate, too soon. <laughs> hey, uh, Paulie, uh, over the weekend uh, we saw some big results. The Titans getting up over the Sea Eagles uh, and the Tigers getting their first W of the weekend over the Panthers as well. Um, the bookies must be pulling their hair out when it comes to trying to uh, sort markets out on these NRL matches because they're, they're, anybody can win them. They certainly can, and we'd like to send a big thank you out to the Tigers for helping us out there, <laughs> knocking just about just about ninety odd percent of multis uh, NRL multis got uh, thrown out the uh, window with that uh, Tigers win over the Panthers on the weekend. So, yeah, they did us a huge favour. But as you say, very very hard to pick. Um, the Warriors, of course, went down in the rain up there at Mount Smart. That still didn't turn the punters off. We took three times as much turnover on the Warriors in that head-to-head market than we did on the Roosters. They still keep coming for them, even though the Warriors have been depleted by injuries. They didn't get many calls go their way on Sunday either, um, but that, that just doesn't stop the punters. They love the Warriors, and they keep backing them, and this is a really, really tough stretch for the Warriors. of already gone through the storm and the Roosters without uh, a victory, and they've got the Panthers coming up in Magic Round, and then they've got the um, Broncos down in uh, Hawke's Bay uh, the week after that. So a tough, tough stretch for the Warriors, uh, and the odds are out for the Magic Round, and the Warriors are 10.5-point outsiders, $3.50 dogs uh, in the head-to-head market against the Penrith Panthers, who are $1.29. <laughs> doesn't matter. They're still back in the Warriors. They're getting stuck into them. They, they love the Warriors. And I just want to just take you back to the, um, I think it was Thursday, wasn't it, when we had Fight for Life because there are a number of boxing punters out there who just love getting stuck into the Fight for Life. And I can tell you, the, the money that we took on Sam Tui Tupo, who started out as around a $2 outsider in his match, uh, in his bout, uh, well, the, the money forced us, uh, and I think he started around a $1.75 odd 
um, when the when the bout did uh, get underway, and uh, it wasn't long before he had um, cleaned up uh, Asatasi. So a lot of support. Twelve seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, support for Sam Tuitupo and Sione Falmuino, who of course you spoke to uh, on Thursday morning. And he came out and, and did the business. He was a three dollar. I think he was mm. north of three fifty at one stage. Uh, and I think the chat that you had with him um, just switched punters on, and he got backed into at least three dollars by the time uh, the bout uh, started. So yeah, there are a couple of good wins there for uh, the Kiwi punters with uh, Sione Farmwina and Sam Tuitupo both coming up with a win, and of course uh, Miyamoto. A big, big win in the main bout of the night. Of the night, mate. Staffy had a show me the money um, bet for a punter on yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, and it was Zach Lomax for the fourth leg. And on the twentieth minute, he's picked the ball up, Paulie, in this game against Canterbury. He's got five meters head start on everyone, seventy meters out, and got caught. How heartbreaking is that? I think they were up for that fifty dollar bonus bet for some punter with SENZ was up for three and a half grand. Oh. Jeepers Creek. That's just, you got your heart. You're thinking, um, someone like Zach Lomax, you're thinking, well, he's often gone here. Um, I had uh, a similar situation. I think it was Edward Cossey who intercepted um, against, it might have been the Storm actually, uh, to score a try, and um, he got caught as well. Um, so I feel I feel the pain. <laughs> well, Paulie, thanks for joining us, watching Bet Live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Uh, please remember, gamble responsibly, R18. Paulie, you go well. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. There's plenty coming up. Um, and uh, go well, mate. Have a, have a really nice Monday. Enjoy your coffee. Yeah, cheers, boys. We'll catch you again tomorrow morning. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Black Caps batter Devin Conway continued his hot streak in the IPL, picking up man of the match honours despite his Chennai Super Kings going down by four wickets to the Punjab Kings. And the Stars have kept their hopes of a place in the ANZ Premiership netball finals alive with a 61-55 win over the Magic in Auckland. The top of the table, Mystics earlier beating the Tactics 74-50 in Christchurch. More inside 30 on SCNZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SCNZradio.nz Brought to you by Crown Forklifts. There's nothing like a new crown, simply the best. Auckland weather, cloudy periods and some heavy falls of rain, easing to isolated showers this afternoon. Strong winds up to 90k. High 22, low 17. Catch live commentary of the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League playoffs on Friday night on SCNZ. <laughs> Thank you very much, Aroha. It is 28 away from 9. Justin Morgan, not too far away from joining us here on SENZ. Ricardo and Kempi for breakfast. Uh, time uh, to catch up with Joe through in the kitchen and find out what's going on with the Choices Flooring Poll. 
Yes, my question today, boys, was out of these perennial losers, who will be the first to end their fan suffering? The Stop Warriors? It. <laughs> Sorry. The Warriors? Never mind. Tottenham Hotspurs, Toronto Maple Leafs, Wellington Phoenix, New York Knicks, or I actually added this one last second and forgot to tell you guys, but France in the Rugby World Cup. It's a decent shout, actually, because they've always been a decent team, like a top four team, but they've never won it. Well, no. you, you've got to think French fans are thinking this year's our year, Kempi. Of course, of course they are. Well, everything's lined up for them. One, it's up there. Two, the All Blacks are sitting in number four. And three, they've just had Izzy and Beaver up there advocating that the All Blacks are coming up there to win, which has probably put the death nail on them. That's actually quite true. I was going to say good luck, Charm, but you're right, probably death nail. Um, (laughs) France in the Rugby World Cup won by 40% in the poll. Most people think that France are going to get over, um, what do you call it, the hump and win the Rugby World Cup. The Warriors with 26% and then everyone else, they don't have any hope in them. Right, no hope at all. No hope at all. Uh, actually, uh, on the you mentioned the Warriors. Different sort of Warriors are in, in action at the moment, aren't they? Joe, how's that uh, NBA Game 7 going between the Warriors and the Kings? Yeah, fantastic question, Ricardo. I just closed it. Oh, 45-42 to 42 to the Kings. Oh, okay. So the Kings are leading that one, uh, what, halfway through the second quarter? Oh, nope, sorry. It's uh, Kings 47-45. to 45. My apologies. I just looked up at the TV. Yep, uh, halfway through the second quarter. That's right. They're ahead by two points, the Kings. Nice. All right, good stuff. There you go. That is the Choices Flooring Poll. View Choices Flooring's online magazine with over 100 inspiring pages at choicesflooring.com. Um, now, we've got Justin Morgan coming on the show shortly, uh, Ken Pete, and we'll get the, the lowdown from him on how far away Mitch Barnett is mm. and, and a few other things as well. But other than the Warriors, obviously we had a, 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 an eye pretty firmly on that most of the weekend. What was your standout in the NRL? Oh, South Sydney. 100% just the way that they uh, took to the top of the table and and put a put a clinic on um, the Brisbane Broncos, you know what I mean? Like I spoke to Matty Johns, would be near on a month ago, had him on a couple of times on Running It Straight, which is our league show on a Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, and uh, he said to me then that he was just waiting for the wheels to fall off the Broncos. Now, Broncos are going really well. And they come up against South Sydney, who have been probably the form team of the month, I've got to say that. And you would have thought that this game would have been an, another one for the ages. Well, South's just given them an absolute clinic. And the and the worst thing about that, I don't think Latrell Mitchell got out of second gear. Mm. You know, and I was saying to, that to you yesterday when we were doing our pre-show, he's got to be the strongest man in the competition. The way that he runs through blokes, like I mean literally runs through blokes, they bounce off him. He's, I watched him here in one game. I was watching a game, and he picked the player up off the ground. It was a, it was a, a opposing centre, and he basically dead deadlifted him off the ground. It was like, mate, like you just don't do that. You don't like bend over and just pick a bloke up to shoulder height the way that he did. Um, I just think Selfs, mate, at the moment, this the weekend watching them, they're such a good team to watch offensively. Yeah, I tell you, he did the same to Adam Reynolds on the weekend. And because um, Adam Reynolds was trying to throw it around, and Adam Reynolds kind of ran into him late and he ended up getting knocked over. And instead of firing up, Mitchell just leaned down and picked him up, almost like you'd pick up a toddler. Like, yeah. like there was no effort in it at all, just picked him up and put him on his feet. I think Adam Reynolds was just like, oh. Well, I know he's a beast in the gym. You know, his, his bench and his, his squats and all that are, are phenomenal, the numbers that he pushes out. But, you know, when you look at him, he's sort of, he's not the best specimen to look at. You know, he's got those those skinny legs and that wide shouldered look. 
Um, but I tell you what, when he carries the football and blokes are just falling off him the way that they do, when he's not going full pace, I, I, it's really scary to think that he's actually got more gears. Mm. And, and you know, this year it looks like South have, have probably got their uh, their house in order. And I think at the moment they, their form is really good going into Origin. Yeah, looking good, mate. Looking good. Origin is going to be great this year, particularly. You put Nico Hines in that team as well, and they're going to they're going to tick over quite nicely. Well, I think Nico Hines has got Luai. You know, I yeah. think Nico Hines is on everyone's lips at the moment, talking about selection in and around state of origin. You know, I know they want to go with you know tried and tested in New South Wales. I think they have to do something different. I think they can't go in with Luai and and Nathan Cleary. If Nathan Cleary's carrying an injury, Luai's actually struggling in that six jersey at the moment. I think you've got to put Nico Hines in there because Nico Hines, when you're watching him play, he's 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 running a clinic on a lot of teams. He's, he's so deceivingly deceivingly. Um, he looks like he's running slow, but he's actually moving quite quickly, and his his, his decision making is second to none. So, I, look, I think that Nico Hines gets that probably gets that number six jersey in the New South Wales thing. Mm, yeah, yes, he is. Uh, his speed is deceptive, much like mine, Kempi. I'm, I'm slower than I look. I'm slower than I look, which is pretty slow already. Well, mate, you don't need speed. You got size. You just go over the top of them. Yeah, exactly, mate. Uh, Twenty-two away from nine here on SENZ. This is breakfast with Ricardo and Kempi. And when we come back, Justin Morgan's going to join. Us and we're going to talk some Warriors. 17 away from 9 o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo and Kempi for breakfast. You can call us 0800 150 811. That is the Ken Tire phone line. Or text us on double eight double three two. If you've got any questions for our next guest, you might want to ask him uh, where you get shorts that short. Uh, if he is the president of the New Zealand Warwick Kappa Fan Club, and uh, do you not feel the cold? Justin Morgan, assistant coach of the of the Warriors, mate, saw you yesterday wandering around in the shorter shorts with the longest legs I have ever seen. <laughs> um, I do like Warwick Kappa, but uh, I leave the tight, tight shorts to him. So. Yeah, mate, I've been here long enough to get used to this cold weather. So, yeah, I just got the shorts on yesterday. It's a good good answer, Morgs. Hey, mate, defensively, uh, the Roosters, they stifled a lot of your your attack. Um, Is that how you saw the game yesterday? Yeah, that's spot on, Kempi. I think think the difference between the two teams was how they defended better than us. They, you know, in those kind of conditions, you can put pressure on opposition teams because you can't move the ball as much because of the conditions. And, and they really put us under pressure with their line speed and, and the way they moved, they swarmed on us and, and took metres off us with their defensive line. So I think they defended better than us yesterday. Not that we were poor defensively, but we most probably didn't attack enough with our defence. Um, you know, and in, in games like yesterday, you've got to take those scrappy opportunities. They got a couple, which they took. We, we had a couple that we didn't take. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was one of those days that we, we, we got some lessons from. You missed Toy Harris in the middle of the park and that uh, that link that he has been um, very good at with Sean and and, and your five eights whoever's playing out there. And also, I thought uh, Chance Nicole Clockstead and the way that he carries late in the tackle count to get that fast play the ball. Uh, is that how you saw it? And what about the kick pressure that they put on Sean too? They worked it that well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you guys must have had our coach's box bugged because that's what that's what Webby said during the game. He said, look, you know, Tori was sitting with us and we said, mate, I think it would have been a, a different game if he was out there. Um, he would have been able to move the defence a little bit more and, and, and allow Sean a little bit more width. So I think that's been one of the real positives of the season is that Sean's been coming onto the ball, you know, rather than having to step up and be that first pass. And, and while Dylan, you know... Um, 
you know, can can do that role, but obviously he was trying to play two roles yesterday, obviously trying to be that link man, but also be that extra extra 5'8", or that extra halfback, and, and that allowed the Roosters to put extra pressure on Sean, um, especially with his kicking game. We didn't really have another recognised, you know, kicker in the team. Um, and again, Chance, you know, and, and no no disrespect to, to, you know, to Dallin. I thought he did a really, really good job for a player that hasn't played fullback for quite some time. He carried the ball very strongly, but Chance has been one of our form players of the year. And, you know, the back end of sets, especially in those conditions, if he could get some ruck speed, that would have taken a little bit of pressure off Sean and they mightn't have been able to put as much um, kick pressure on him, but... Again, it was um, it's it's the players that you've got to put out. They've just got to get the job done. So um, there was lots of positives out of it. Um, great to see Dimitrik out there for the first time. You know, a good local junior from I think he's from Odahu Leopards, and he certainly didn't look out of place in in the time that he was out there. Tom Ali got some bigger minutes again um, for a guy that's still learning his trade in the top grade. So lots of positives, but you know, we certainly walked away. Extremely disappointed that we um, that we didn't put in a better show for ourselves. It was a great crowd there yesterday, Morgs, despite the weather. What what was uh, the uh, the game plan? Knowing that you were going into such a wet weather match, what were you telling the boys to do? Yeah, I think it was important for for games like that to um, you know not to to lose sight of you still have to present shape. And I thought we sort of. We didn't do that in the first half. We we got a little bit bunched at times. We got a little bit bunched in uh, in yardage. Um, so we, we most probably didn't execute that as well as we would have liked. Um, and the other area, I suppose, offensively that that we could have been a little bit better in was, you know, our change of direction plays were good at times, but they're, they're better when you do them on the back of shape or you know you put something ahead of them. You know, there was times where we just were changing direction for the sake of changing direction. And, and to get maximum, I suppose, uh, bang for your buck when you change direction, you need to hold defenders up with what you do before um, before you do that. And I didn't think we really did that as as well as we we planned on doing that. That was that was the plan going into the game. Um, obviously, we were we weren't sure what the weather was going to be. If if the weather was going to be clear and sunny, uh, we wanted to move the ball a little bit more because we feel as though that that part of our game we're doing reasonably well. We've been scoring some really good tries on the fringes, but. We had to sort of tighten things up a little bit, but I think we tightened them up a little bit too much. We needed to find the balance of, you know, of moving the ball, um, but with a little bit more shape than what we did. So, um, like, like I sort of said a few minutes ago, we, we learnt some lessons from yesterday. Um, we learnt some lessons from the Roosters on how to how to use your defence as an attack, uh, in attacking weapon in those conditions, and also next time we play in those conditions, we need to play a little bit more football a little bit earlier in the tackle counts. Yeah, good call, Morgs. We've just got a text to come in here. Can you ask, Justin, what was Lussock's role off the bench yesterday? Um, yeah, obviously he didn't get on there, Freddie. Um, you know, we had an intention of putting him on with about 15, 20 minutes to go, uh, but we thought that Wade was travelling okay. Um, and because we sort of were missing Tor, who, who plays big minutes in the middle, who plays 80 minutes, we had to use an extra interchange on our other middles. We started with Bunty, Adam and Maratha in the middle, and they all had to come off and go back on. So there's naturally six changes straight away, and then we obviously had Dimitri there as well. So um, it just made it a little bit harder to, to get Freddie on there. He was there as a little bit of an emergency, but our original plan was to get him on, but that, that, that obviously didn't pan out because um, 
Wade was travelling okay and we thought it would be best to leave him out there and change our middles around to try and give us a little bit more traction with uh, some go forward. Mate, on that, um, is there any chance of uh, Richie Barnett, uh, Barnett coming back this weekend? and um, Mitch. Mitch Barnett. And, of course, you've got uh, Metcalf as well. That uh, He said that he had another four weeks to go before you, you'd even contemplate him. But... I guess that shape where you could move Dules Walker to the middle of the park um, to play that role that Tool has, if you get one of those players back, is is that a likelihood this weekend? Uh, unlikely that... Uh, I'd love Richie Barnett as well. we'll sorry, get both sorry mate. Get both. <laughs> no, no, but, mate, seriously, I'd like, he, he still looks fit, doesn't he? Oh, he's sorry, very, he's very fit. Like me, Morgs. He looks in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, Look, uh, I don't think Barney will be back this week. Um, he's still got a few things he needs to sort of tick off. He needs to go and uh, see the specialist again around his neck. But he's making some good progress. Um, look, Metcalf, I think, is only a week and a half away. So I think the plan for him is to be back for the Bulldogs week. Um, so you're right. We've had lots of discussions around that. We've had some discussions around, you know, do we do we move um, you know do we move walks back into the middle to play that sort of that link role and then you know maybe you know maybe just chance go into that role or do we play somebody else in that five eight position? Um, we're, we're hopeful that Torhu might be pushing for a spot back this week. Um, I'd say to percentage wise, he's most probably 60-40 of playing. Um, so that's a positive. You know he he ran on the weekend on Saturday. Uh, the reports were really really positive. But he'll need to sort of you know, tick a few things off early in the week. But um, it would be nice to have him back. But again, no doubt there'll be some discussion around um, around selection again this week because we certainly are a much better footy team when we've got a person playing that link role at the number 13. So, um, yeah, so again, we'll have to wait and see for a little bit later in the week. But let's keep our fingers crossed that Torhu might uh, might make a recovery for this weekend. Yeah, what was the uh, what was the niggle, mate? Because we know that he had struggled with that MCL. Did he aggravate that, or was it something else? Yeah, it's still MCL, but I think um, it's just mostly a little bit creaky rather than loose, you know. Um, and you know that that's a positive. I think structurally it's very very sound. It's nice and solid. Um, so that's a good thing. So I think it would just be a bit of a pain issue for him. Um, so whereas when he had the medial last time, I think there was some some lax in the knee. So I think you know the the, the medical team are quite positive about how solid it is. So it'll be just a, a matter of whether he can get through um, you know the running protocols for the front half of the week, and then if he can handle the pain threshold if it's still a little bit sore. But he's made some really good progress um, in his first you know, four or five days of, of his recovery. Whereas last time when he had it, you know, it was most probably two weeks before he started to get some progress. So that's why we've got a really positive mindset that he might be back. Yeah, that'll be great news uh, for the club, mate. Uh, be absolutely massive. Hey, Morgs, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Busy week before you head away to Brizzy. Uh, what, when do you fly out? Out on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to Magic Weekend. It's a great concept. Um, so got the Panthers, um, who obviously, you know, they, they got beat on the weekend. I haven't watched that game back, but, um, yeah, really exciting. Um, you know, we love the concept of, uh, of the Magic Round. So head out Thursday, and then, uh, and then we're going to stay in Australia for the week because we've got a short turnaround against the Bulldogs before we got the bye. So um, hopefully when we get back to New Zealand, we come back with four points, which would be handy. Yeah, it'd be fantastic, mate. And uh, maybe a, a few more fit players as well would be fantastic. Morgs, travel well, my friend. 
Yep, no worries. I'll get some sun on these skinny legs and make sure those shorts aren't too short next time. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll check Richie Barnett out and see if we can make a comeback. <laughs> Tell you what, if you... If Why don't I put you in there, Kempi? Get, get you in the stand-off. Why do you need, but you need you, someone in the Rich- middle? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, mate, so you can play like me. Pretend you're in the middle, get everyone else to do the work and just get into good ball and carry the footy. Right? Soft hands. Soft hands, Kempi. That's what they say about him. Good stuff, Morgs. Travel well, brother. Righto, boys. Yeah, seven away from nine here on SENZ uh, Breakfast with Ricardo and Kempi will catch up with Smithy next.